Welcome to Foibles, where my mom and I record conversations we have anyway. I'm Zoe. I'm Zoe's mom. Oh yeah, that's right. I have a name. It's Frida. <laughs> All righty, here we are again, and we're going to do one of our quote-unquote literary podcasts here. And a lot of people wouldn't consider this literature, uh, but we do, uh, and fun and uh, delightful. So today we're going to be uh, looking at the Murderbot Diary series by Martha Wells. It's uh, what some people might call YA, I guess. But it's, I also think that the disdain for YA as a genre is overblown. Well, I don't know. I think it's not actually categorized as YA. But when you read it, the word choice and the writing style and everything really does sound like YA. And also the characters, for sure. So the Murderbot series is six books that all relate to the central character of Murderbot. I'm going to give you the titles here. Uh, all Systems Read. Artificial Condition, Rogue Protocol, Exit Strategy, Network Effect, and Fugitive Telemetry. And Zoe and I had together have read the first five. The sixth one just came out in April, and we haven't gotten it yet. Um, usually we wait for the library. We are 84th in line for uh, 12 different copies of that. We may break down and buy it. It's possible. I don't know. We'll see. But anyway, I'm sure that that book will be as good as the others. Um, I would say, the fir- well, the first four are n- really novellas. They are uh, run about 150 to 170, 80 pages long. So they just really go down really nice. It's short. They just slide right into your time. So the size doesn't feel demanding. And then the uh, fifth one, Network Effect, is an actual novel length book. Not, not real long, but it's a novel length book. And then Fugitive Telemetry, we don't know because we haven't read yet. But anyway, they are all really wonderful. But I really feel like the first four in particular were great favorites of mine. Yeah, if you couldn't tell from the titles, it's a sci-fi right. series. Good point. Uh, <laughs> and we found them pretty delightful. Mom found out about them first on a podcast. Yeah, I heard somebody talking about them, and I thought, oh, well, that sounds really interesting. Then I kind of looked into them, and the fact is is that this uh, author, Martha Wells, she's very prolific. She has written a lot of things, and this particular series is very lauded. And the first book, All Systems Read, in 2018, it won the Nebula Award for Best Novella. It won the Hugo Award for Best Novella and the American Library Association's Alex Award. So it got three. That's impressive. And it was nominated for a Philip K. Dick Award. Cool. And I think this thing is just so sweeping. And I'm not quite sure why she did it, but Martha Wells, for the next three novellas, they all had enough votes to be, uh, to get a Hugo, to uh, either get a Hugo Award or get nominated for a Hugo Award, and she uh, she declined, except for Artificial Condition, which also got the 2019 Hugo Award. Wow. So she kind of like was saying, well, I guess I've won enough, I, I <laughs> suppose, or maybe, I don't know if this is the case, I don't know anything about Martha Wells, I have not read any interviews with her, if they exist or whatever, but I do know that there was or has been a huge stink raised by certain parties on the internet hmm. about women winning these awards oh, of course it's the gamergate of it is sci-fi fiction it is there's one hugely successful writer uh, named nk jemison who i've not read yet but she's definitely on my list she is uh, a very very successful writer and she actually uh, has like a 
quote unquote real job as a psychologist, as a counselor. <laughs> so maybe that gives her really good insight into character and creating character. Yeah. But anyway, she's been writing for years and she has a lot of work out there and she has just won a lot, a lot of awards. And if my memory is serving me, there was a huge stink, particularly the first time she won an award because this woman is coming in and winning these awards and it's, I don't know, it's ruining sci-fi and fantasy or whatever. So I don't know if Martha Wells, in order to avoid getting stank upon, decided, oh, I'll just back out. I'll just take my awards that I have. It's enough. Or if she was just like kind of being fair play or if she, I don't know. Probably not. I looked her up on Twitter and she was tweeting about other, you know, female sci-fi winners and stuff. She doesn't seem too shy about it. Okay. So maybe she just figured, let's, let's make some room for other people, perhaps. All right, so enough enough belaboring that point. But I just think it's amazing. In my opinion, those awards are well won, and this book series really deserved it. Would you agree to that? Totally, yeah. It feels very fresh, yeah. even though, of course, it has sci-fi tropes of, like, spaceships and um, cy- cybernetics and robots and stuff. And security systems and hacking and all kinds. Yeah. of a lot of hacking. And a lot of hacking in this. In That's these true, yeah. A lot of hacking. <laughs> it feels like it does that really well. And I don't think either of us have a no. lot of experience reading a lot of sci-fi. So I'm sure there's tons out there that is really up to date in terms of like computer and hacking and technology. And, and, re- and realistic. I mean, this is not realistic. This is, you know, because this is like way in the future when AI has is sentient and all this stuff, but um, it, it works really well. I guess the thing about the book, the books, that is, uh, as, as, as hardcore sci-fi, it's not got really fantasy elements in it, that works so well is the fact that uh, Wells has uh, created decent plots, but she has created one characters in particular, the main character, and in particular, all of the AI characters are so touching, so uh, they're they're basically good, flawed but good, and there's like a, a real, real fundamental soul in these characters, and so you can really open your heart to them and love them. And not, and you're not going to be hurt or disappointed later by what, but she, what she does with them, and so I really, really like that. And then the humans in the book, there are bad humans and there are good humans, um, but they are, they're kind of off to the side, you know. That they, 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 they are important in as much as they have created the world and the the structures of the world that these characters are operating in, and they're also important in as much as they affect the AI, and make the AI feel, but it's really about these characters. And the main character, Murderbot, is a, a security unit and uh, has named itself Murderbot in kind of an ironic way, but it has murdered a lot of people. But it's a character that is dealing with this idea of suddenly having free will and agency when before it didn't, because it was built and all of these creatures, these um, uh, they called sec unit, security unit, have a, what they call a governor module, and it's a thing built into its brain. It's um part part um, machine, oh, right. part organic, it, it, but it's not. It wasn't human. It's totally artificially created. Right. It, yes. Basically, it's, it's like a, it's a cyborg. Yeah. Right. So it's a cyborg, and it has this governor module in it that 
is uh, regulates it. Basically, it forces it to obey commands from its human owners, and it will punish it if it does not obey those commands. And it can even just like just totally destroy it from the inside if it resists. So that's how all of these creatures operate. And our our protagonist has managed to figure out how to hack that governor module and release its hold on Murderbot. So Murderbot is a free agent now and, and actually can choose and has its own will. And so it, it all stems from there and it works with its human, like quote unquote, clients. It was, it did belong to a giant nameless company, corporation. Yeah, and maybe we should go back to that before we talk about Murderbot's, uh, because it, that's huge. That's, and that's the other element that I think that give this, these novels some weight. The writing itself is okay. Um, the, you know, I started reading, I thought, I don't know how long I'm going to last on this. Cause it's kind of, honestly, the writing style is a little bit lightweight, but she manages with that writing style to really bring out the reality of the emotional lives and of the world. So it, it captivated me, but she gives the whole thing some weight by creating this world of it's sort of corporate versus non-corporate and it really is about the evilness of corporations <laughs> yeah it's about capitalism like it everything totally is, is these days it totally is and it's but it's really good and yeah. it's not didactic at all mm-hmm. it's only by what they do mm-hmm. that we see that they're evil and that you know these other um, groups are are good and are are fighting and and trying to make the world make the universe better because this this um, the world of the book encompasses the universe practically because they can travel through wormholes and they can get to you know so basically the universe is their oyster they can go pretty much anywhere that a wormhole will take them so there are a lot of different planets and their spaceships and all that kind of stuff. One thing that I like about it, despite the fact that it is set up to be like corporate and non-corporate, is that it sort of like slowly and subtly reveals that there is a conflict because, it, mm, you know, at first mm-hmm. it's kind of like, okay, you know, humans colonized space and to the point where that's so long ago that there are now civilizations on planets that are com- and they're completely unrelated to each other and stuff. And so there are basically like communist or totally anarchist or whatever, completely cooperative planets and and societies and cultures that are very separate from the corporate stuff basically it reveals sort of over the course of the books that they there there's no like open warfare it's not like star wars where there's like a rebel alliance and there's an empire and they're Mm. fighting each other it's a cold war yeah over the course of books we begin to see how and why the two uh the, the various forces are vying with each other in this kind of cold war trying to sneakily strategically maneuver around and figure out because they're all operating within these certain sets of laws but the way in which uh, corporations are able to manipulate the law and then the, the other side's trying to get around them and it sounds complicated but it's not too complicated and also the benefit of these books is if anything gets too complicated you just kind of read through it there's a lot of technical language i guess and not being a computer person i don't even know if it's accurate or not like i don't know if it makes sense or how much sense it makes but they're yeah they're like and then i i hacked into a security system and mobilized the drones and blah 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 blah. you kind (laughs) of like let it wash over you if you're not but and you can always tell sort of what's happening even if you don't really understand how or why it's supposed to work and yet i find it really interesting because it does make you think a lot about security and as mom said it's a cold war and so it's 
these these books are really action packed and like Murderbot is like super strong and super fast and can fight with weapons and does a fair amount of that, but most of the action takes place like on the information front. And so there's a lot of espionage if you like espionage. It's a really good balance of that espionage, the thought in the brain and that kind of thing, and then actual physical action, which goes on. And uh, she, she balances it really, really well. And so you get enough of both and, uh, and enough of the understanding of the characters and their motivations and so forth that uh, really make it have stakes as you're reading it. Yeah, so I, I, I was surprised. I was surprised how much I liked this. Actually, I found it delightful. Yeah. I was really delighted when I was reading these books. Because even though they deal with some dark things in terms of, yeah, there are people getting killed in these books. There is some slightly gruesome stuff that happens. She doesn't belabor it. And then there are the nefarious uh, plotting going on and so forth. Yet somehow they feel so light and uplifting and charming. Very humanist. And yeah. humanist, yeah. Really, I think that's why they probably won so many awards is they really are, she's able to bring in all these elements and balance them so that you really get something that you don't, um, you don't feel bad about enjoying, but you also feel that there are stakes and you feel invested in, in what's going on. I think the way that I described it on Twitter was a grumpy, genderless, asexual robot hangs out with a bunch of communist, uh, <laughs> queer communists in space. Uh, and polygamous. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Not polygamous. Uh, polyamorous. Um, polyamorous. Yeah, polyamorous space communists. Um, <laughs> and so it, it's also very both topical and she does a pretty good job of getting outside of, uh, like, this is so far in the future. The gender binary exists in some places and with some groups, but not with others. And there are other genders and some people use different pronouns. And so there's this yeah. this vision of, you know, a pretty pluralistic humanity in the future that's not, doesn't really bear any weight on the plot. It just is. It, yeah. Yeah. Which I appreciate. I was like, this is this is nice. I'm refreshed. I'm happy to, to read about a bunch of different types of, of relationships and different gendered characters and stuff. Yeah, that's right. And and there there's a lot of color too. Oh there's a lot of people of color in this story. In fact one of the people that Murderbot is closest to, Dr. Mensa, is a, a middle aged, dark skinned woman mm-hmm. who is a uh, head of a non corporate planet or was part of it and as a scientist and so that's you know so so that's refreshing too you really get the sense that there's just a huge vast array of different kinds of people yeah and that too this the scientist part you know they live in a future where they constantly have to deal with ships and and taking surveys and planets and their environment and stuff and so everybody's involved in the stem sciences which is kind of nice um (laughs) yeah that's interesting and also they they are dealing with alien remnants so in a lot of these places how many eons and hundreds of eons ago were aliens on these planets and had their own civilizations and so then they'll run into that the impact of that. So it really kind of deals with environmental toxicity right? in a certain way without it being obvious or, or literal. There's really a lot to these books. There is. I mean, we should talk more about Murderbot and why we, what, oh, they're, what they're like no, no. and why we're we just, love We're them. just setting it up. Uh, we'll, we'll get to Murderbot and, and yeah. yeah. Yeah, so we, we just had a ton of fun. And like we've said in the past, like we'll read books out loud to, to each other. Mom will read to me anyway. And so we usually do that on the weekend. And we got through... All the short ones in 
three, three, four weeks, maybe. So it was a little bit hard to read aloud because the punctuation and sentence division was a little bit idiosyncratic. And so I'd be reading along <laughs> and I'm like, what, what, what? And I have to go back a couple of, oh, that's what they're saying. Now I know how to cadence it. <laughs> right. You did <laughs> a good job. I, we should say all the books are in the first person from Murderbot's point of view for 90% of it. So we're in Murderbot's head. We know what Murderbot knows. We see through Murderbot's eyes. And we have a running commentary on Murderbot's point of view. And as Zoe said, Murderbot is genderless and finds all that kind of human stuff icky. Murderbot also reads as someone who is on the autism scale. Yeah. And, but it works so well because this is an AI and this AI has been programmed in a certain way and now has to figure out how to function and if it can expand its program or download new things and that kind of thing. I don't know. It made a difference to me. I could just go, oh, this is how Murderbot thinks. And oh, and it's, it's absolutely just touches my heart. How Murderbot is struggling to understand. And one of my favorite things about Murderbot, Murderbot loves media, loves long series, and can download them in their own head and watch them and run them in their own head. (laughs) Which is honestly just a dream for a lot of people. It's like you can, without doing anything externally, just download your favorite TV show and watch it while you're on the bus or yeah. walking or even having a conversation with someone. Yeah, whenever you're bored, you can just like kind of, kind of slip in and watch some media. So Murderbot is constantly trying to figure out ways or times when it can like, you know, run some media. Yeah. <laughs> some media. And, and as it meets other AI, and when I say AI, I, I guess I'm saying there are all kinds of of creatures, quote unquote, that are art, have artificial intelligence in, in, in different ways. And so they're not all cyborgs. They're not all set security units. So a murder bot might meet a ship that has a pilot that's a bot and will make friends and offer to share their media and download the media to them. And the media is all human media. It's all humans acting and basically TV shows like we have today and movies and that kind of stuff. And so he'll, uh, or I shouldn't say he, they will just download it and then that, that will uh, be like sort of the quid pro quo for getting a ride or whatever they want. So that's sort of how they learned. They like sort of came into their, I guess for lack of a better word, humanity, where they were like, I start to have feelings and I'm relating to both humans and other robots and I don't want to be controlled by this governor module anymore. And they managed to hack it themselves. And it starts using the media in order to like relate and learn about human emotions and stuff. Right. And and give it context for its own emotion. Mm-hmm. So that, that it's able to, to kind of begin to define. Because I think that all of these AI have emotion. It's just almost like a, a baby or a child where it's very undifferentiated. They really can't define it or understand it or deal with it because they don't have any reference point. So it's these uh, this media gives them the reference point for it. Right. And yeah, and it reminds me a lot of you in a certain way. Just <laughs> like you're always walking around the house and like if you have a second, you're putting on a podcast. You're like, <laughs> if I walk away and come back like two minutes later, you're listening to a podcast. Like <laughs> Two minutes of boredom. I can't handle it. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So it's very funny. And most of the time they're complaining about how they don't want to deal with people and want to watch their media. And <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> and, and Murderbot has a lot of trouble. First of all, Murderbot does not like to be touched at all. Mm-hmm. Although will 
touch and be touched as needed for safety, for rescuing people, that kind of stuff. Um, Murderbot also doesn't like to be looked at directly. And it becomes clear that Murderbot has very sensitive. The feelings feel so intense. But Wells does a really great job of, without hammering us too much, of showing Murderbot having feelings. And you see it through what Murderbot chooses and what Murderbot does and what mur- what matters to Murderbot. And so you begin to feel the tender heart there, but without like just being told. And a lot of the other characters, all the, all the like, I guess, good humans are really sympathetic. And it also shows how they sort of just work with it. They like, they learn about Murderbot and Murderbot's preferences and they treat Murderbot <laughs> as a human. And Murderbot's like, what? I'm used to like corporate people. I don't understand. Right. I'm used to being communists. Shi- I'm used to being shipped in a cargo box. <laughs> what? You mean I have to sit in the, in yeah. the, in the cabin with the people? And, you know, like, but they're all so. looking at me, but yeah, they do their best to accommodate that. And they're yeah. kind of like, oh, that's cool. Like, you know, what, what's your preference? We'll just do that. And um, so it is also very, it's not a morality tale in any way, but it, part of maybe what makes it good YA is that it teaches empathy empathy, and a great way for neuroatypical people to be accommodated. Accommodated, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and it's true. And it's very funny because uh, at first, you know, they don't get it. So they're always trying to get Murderbot to talk about its feelings. And it's like... A- I'd rather you know, put my eyes out yeah. than do that. And so finally they get it. And at the same time, they're constantly faced with these dastardly corporate entities trying to steal um, planets and trying to, um, this one in particular, Grey Chris, uh, trying to get a hold of alien remnant technology, which is illegal. Uh, but they try to get a hold of it so that they can somehow use it and get, you know, get patent a, it or patent it and get ahead on the market and that kind of thing. And so these all create um, situations where uh, people get kidnapped and they're going to kill people and all that kind of, you know, just basic adventure stuff. But so that's what pulls Murderbot into these situations, this human, human politicking and espionage, as you said, and so so Murderbot gets pulled in because the first humans that it came in contact with, well, who knew it was not, no longer had a governor module, treated it with respect and like a being, like a person. And so un, in an unspoken way, Murderbot has sort of welded its loyalty and uh, to these people. And so whenever anything bad is going to happen or there's a danger or they need information or something, Murderbot kind of goes off on its adventure or takes actions that will protect them or find what they need and that kind of thing. I just felt like it was like its first family. Then on one of its adventures, it meets one of the other most important characters, which is the ship that it has a artificially intelligent bot pilot captain I think technically, according to the book, it's not a bot pilot. It's something else. But yeah, <laughs> anyway. We'll just call it that. It's, it's a super massively intelligent spaceship. So it, it does everything inside itself. It has like a medical suite and a cafeteria. And it recycles all the clothing and, and cleans well, all them. And the, well, stuff. all the ships do that. But art is just super intelligent because it it's, it's super intelligent. <laughs> Which you find out kind of, you kind of find out why later. Yeah, we don't, it's like I don't want to say too much. But it's, it's name, um, 
it, it doesn't really have a name. Well, it does have a name. We find out much later, but but Murderbot doesn't know that. And when it meets it, it doesn't like the ship, and so it it named it Art, short for Asshole Research Transport. Yeah. <laughs> Murderbot also wins art over by sharing media and right, stuff. Right, right. So media, media is the way, yeah. way to go. So that that happens. But then there's also a lot of fighting, and you you know you do get you every book has at least two major fight scenes. And and Murderbot being both a um, a built component of metal and and organic material is um, is able to be damaged. I mean, it's hard to kill it. But it is possible to kill a uh, security unit, um, but so it can be very, very damaged and keep functioning, and it can turn down its pain sensors, which I think we all wish we could do. <laughs> totally, yeah, just dial them back. And so, in most of the books, at some point, Murderbot will end up as like a heap of of <laughs> steaming, leaky, steamy, yeah, leaky, steaming stuff. <laughs> Oh, and actually, the the last piece I just wanted to mention is that the, it's Murderbot's voice is very, very teen, and that's the other thing that makes it feel uh, AI. Is Murderbot is like kind of flippant you and sarc- YA. I'm sorry, YA. <laughs> that's what I meant. <laughs> what did I say? AI. <laughs> oh, it's, it's very YA in that um, that that it's flippant and sarcastic, in kind of a self-deprecating way. Yeah, totally. Yeah, you know, and, uh, and and the word choices that they use. So I'm going to just read an, an excerpt from All Systems Red, which is the first book. Chapter one, right at the beginning here. I could have become a mass murderer after I hacked my governor module, but then I realized I could access the combined feed of entertainment channels carried on the company satellites. It had been well over 35,000 hours or so since then, was still not much murdering, but probably, I don't know, a little under 35,000 hours of movies, serials, books, plays, and music consumed. As a heartless killing machine, I was a terrible failure. I was also still doing my job on a new contract and hoping Dr. Volescu and Dr. Bardwaj finished their survey soon so we could get back to the habitat and I could watch episode 397 of Rise and Fall of Sanctuary Moon. Do you want to say anything about Sanctuary Moon? <laughs> yeah, so that's um, canonically uh, Murderbot's favorite TV show. It seems like it's kind of like an, an adventure soap opera type deal with obviously a lot of episodes. Yeah. Um, and so that's the one that Murderbot picks. It's like the comfort show. Yeah, they exactly. Whenever they need, especially to be comforted. It, yeah, it's kind of like Coffee Prince out of the... Uh... Korean uh, <laughs> K-dramas. K dramas, K dramas, which was one of my favorite comfort ones. So going on, I admit I was distracted. It was a boring contract so far, and I was thinking about backburnering the status alert channel and trying to access music on the entertainment feed without Hub System logging the extra activity. Hub System being, I think, the main computer that was running the whole environment. It was trickier to do it in the field than it was in the habitat. This assessment zone was a barren stretch of coastal island with low, flat hills rising and falling and thick, greenish-black grass up to my ankles. Not much in the way of flora or fauna, except a bunch of different-sized bird-like things and some puffy, floaty things that were harmless as far as we knew. The coast was dotted with big, bare craters, one of which Bargewadge and Voluscu were taking samples in. The planet had a ring which from our current position dominated the horizon when you looked out to sea. I was looking at the sky and mentally poking the feed 
when the bottom of the crater exploded. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. And then it goes on from there with uh, Murderbot making its first rescue. That's a good example of like the one thing that I would kind of criticize. It's fine, but there's a lot of exposition through Murderbot's thoughts. If, especially if you read all the books in a row, it, it could be helpful in reminding you what has happened, but it also will go over events or like restate things that have happened and stuff a lot. Yeah. And any, and any series will tend to do that because they want to make sure that they keep people who decided to just start with the newest one and not go back to the beginning. Totally. Although we highly, strongly recommend that you read these in order. Because the relationships do build and everything. They do. It really is one, it really is one book broken up into five books. Mm-hmm. There's a through line. It is an episodic. I love Murderbot. They're and so I, adorable. I know, and they were thinking, well, I've been reading online, maybe Netflix will do a Murderbot um, diary series, which, I mean, you have to do it right. If you did it right, it would be amazing. Also, I would love to see a Murderbot graphic novel. Yeah, I think that would translate really well. Yeah. There's good fan art out there already, so. Yeah. So this wasn't one of our deep, in-depth literary analyses but we really enjoyed these so much we wanted to share them with you and and hope that maybe you'd pick them up and and get some delight out of them too if you want to get in touch with us shoot us out an email to foiblespodcast at gmail.com we'd love to hear from you thanks for listening (laughs) 